You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. church family. Thank you so much just for entering into worship with this with us this morning. Isn't God so good? Isn't his presence so good? Amen. Um, if you're wondering about uh, what happened to my forehead right here, I don't usually have this mark on my head. Um, I lost a fight uh, with a bookshelf. Yeah, it's crazy. I bent over quickly. Um, it's a long story, but I bent over quickly and then right in my forehead, didn't see it. Didn't notice how spatial awareness, that's a thing, I guess, that I don't have. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Might as well just get it out in the open so no one's like, what happened to Pastor Kai? Well, that's what happened. Cool. So uh, hey, we're in the book of Hebrews. And if you'd like, you can go ahead and, and open up your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We are slowly journeying through this book. We, we've been in it for uh, quite a few weeks right now, and we have uh, quite a few weeks left to go. Um, but Hebrews, and we're going to hang out in, in Hebrews chapter 3 this morning. Um, and, and we are really about honoring the word of God. And so um, I would encourage you to pull out your digital Bible. If you have one on your phone or your physical Bible, let's do the work. If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles in the back on the, the sound booth. You can take one of those, and that's, that's for you. Um, but real quick, last week, we talked about Jesus as the master architect um, and what we learned from Hebrews is that Jesus is the builder of a house. Uh, not a physical house, but more like a household, a family, a people. And we learned that we, as followers of Jesus, are his house. We are his house. Right? The reason we gather together, for example, th this church body, is, is because of Jesus. He is the architect, the, the builder of this household of God that we call CCA. And today, as we continue through Hebrews, the author builds upon this house and household imagery, and he tells us one of the, the big reasons for why Jesus has built this house. Um, we are Jesus' house, the household is for us, but what do we gain from being a part of his household? Well, one thing that we gain from being a part of his household is his presence, uh, the household of God isn't just for us, but it's also for God too. When you read through scripture and you read about the temple and the, the various image, imagery of temple, um, it was supposed to be a place for God and his people to dwell together. Right? The, the Garden of Eden is essentially the first temple that God ever built. And it was for him uh, to walk with and live with and, and commune with Adam and Eve. And there are several different temple images throughout scripture. Uh, and this, this image of, of God dwelling with his creation as a family, as a household, is also an image of perfect rest. Everybody say rest. Um, and that's ultimately what God desires for us as members of his household. Rest. Rest in his presence. I mean, when I think of my home, and I want you to do the same, think of wherever you live. And when I think of my home, my household, and what I hope for it to be, I want it to be a place 
of rest. Who, who else is on board with that, right? A place where I can relax, where I can be myself, where I can enjoy my family. And I think that's ideally what we all want home to be, a place of rest. When we get off of work, we don't want to come home to chaos, do we? We, we, we want to come home to rest. We want to kick off our shoes and throw them on the floor. Isn't there a country song that starts like that or something like that? Anyways, um, we, we, we want home to be a place of rest. After a long trip, we want the home that we come back to to be a place of rest. We want to enjoy our own beds, right? But how many of us, after work or, or a long trip, we've come home and it wasn't a place of rest? I think we've all been there before, experienced it in some way. Many of you um, working parents, you've come home to children being needy and wanting your attention. You, you've come home to, to kids fighting and arguing with one another or having um, just bad attitudes. Parenting is such a joy. It's the thrill of my life. Um, you guys can today, okay? You guys are really quiet. Ugh, it's uncomfortable. All right. Um, you guys can laugh. All right? Um, maybe you're resting too much. Okay, loosen up a little bit, all right? Um, but yeah, all right, we come home to kids, and it can feel like chaos. Uh, some of you come home to a house that is in disarray for various reasons, right? Maybe you have a renovation project going on, and you can't wait for it to be complete. Maybe there's something wrong with your apartment or uh, wherever you're renting, and the repair guy still hasn't come to fix it. And those kinds of situations in the home make le home less restful. Uh, maybe home isn't restful because of strained or, or broken relationships within the home. Right? Your, your house, it could be immaculate. It could be perfectly clean. But if there's conflict in your household, right, it's not restful, is it? The, the tension and the toxicity, it makes it impossible to truly rest. Uh, sickness is, a, is another reason that can make home unrestful. Now, I'll be honest, um, I'm a little weird, and, and sometimes I look forward to being sick because it means I get to be alone in my room, in my own bed. Um, these are a few of my favorite things, some would say. Uh, but, but even though you, you're, you're resting or you're supposed to rest whenever you're sick, being sick is really a restful time. You try, but it, it's hard to get rest. When your body is, is not working the way it's supposed to, you can't really rest. And today what we'll see in Hebrews is that, that God has built a home for his people. And home is supposed to be a place of rest that we enter into, not physical rest, but spiritual rest for our souls. But sickness is preventing some of God's people from entering into that rest. And, and the sickness, the, the spiritual condition that they have is heart disease, heart disease. And this week and in the week after next, um, we're going to be talking about rest. Um, next week, I will be speaking at another church to fill in for a pastor. And so my amazing, wonderful wife, she will be bringing a bomb.com message that you will not want to miss. If you're from out of town, make sure you just cancel your flight and stay here for one more week so you can experience. Um, she's a much better speaker than I am. She always gets way more compliments than I do after I speak. So um, you won't want to miss it. And so this week and then the week after next, we're going to talk about rest. We're going to work through a lengthy passage of Hebrews that shows us what it takes to enter into the rest that God has prepared for us. 
And today we're going to address this condition of, of spiritual heart disease. And so the title of today's message is Residing in Rest, Part 1. Amen. Pray and, and ask God to lead us and guide us again. God, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you've created a home for us, a, a family where we can enter into rest, rest for our souls. And I know that many of us, that's what we're seeking this morning. We're seeking rest for our souls, God. We're coming in from the world that is chaotic and turbulent, and, and God, we're just, some of us are weary, and we need your rest. So would you help us to see how we can benefit from that incredible blessing, that incredible gift that you've prepared for us? God, I thank you for this family of God, this household of God right here. Would you bless them, Lord, as we go through your word? We thank you. We say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, physical heart disease is devastating. It's devastating. Right, the, the CDC reports that in the United States, heart disease is the leading cause of death for adult men and women. The leading cause. A one person dies of heart disease every 36 seconds. Every year, one in every four deaths is because of heart disease. Right, chances are someone close to you is suffering from or has died of heart disease. Right, heart disease is no joke. And one of the, the main factors in heart disease is when the heart literally begins to harden. Bad health habits and even injury to the heart, it causes the heart to calcify and turn into bone. Right? This means that your heart has to work harder to pump blood through your body. And, and the symptoms of this are shortness of breath and fatigue, tiredness. Uh, with heart disease, you can get a solid eight hours of, of rest, but still wake up feeling completely exhausted, right? Heart disease, the literal hardening of your heart, um, it gets in the way of rest. And it's the same with spiritual heart disease. Spiritual heart disease happens when a person's heart becomes hardened to the voice of God and to the things of God. When God speaks, when he shares his truth with us, but we choose not to believe it. When, when he gives us directions to follow and, and we choose to ignore his voice, our hearts, they harden. And when a person's heart is hard, they're unable to enter into the rest that God has for them. And we see this in our passage of Hebrews today. And so again, if you haven't already, let's open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to start reading in verse 7. Let's see what, what God's word has to say about this. So verse 7, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us right now through his word. Would you open your hearts to receive his word this morning? Amen. All right, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So we see this connection between hardened hearts and, and the inability to enter God's rest because of it. 
Just like physical heart disease prevents us from truly resting, the, the same is true for spiritual heart disease, spiritual hardening of the heart. Okay, but we need to understand the context of this passage a, a little bit more. Um, here in verses 7 through 11, the author of Hebrews, he, he's quoting a passage from Psalm chapter 95. Um, we don't know for sure who wrote Psalm 95, but later on in Hebrews, the author says King David did, but we don't actually know. Um, but what's really important about this passage is the story that it's reminding the readers of. And this passage reminds us of the story of the nation of Israel being led out of slavery from Egypt into the promised land of God. That, in, that incredible land flowing with milk and honey that God promised to Abraham and his descendants all the way back in Genesis. And now that, that story, it spans um, a few books and, and many chapters of the Bible. It's not like they left Egypt and they were at the border of the promised land. There's a lot that happens in between. Um, and I would really recommend reading Exodus all the way through Numbers 14 to get a good understanding of, of that story. But from the time that Israel left Egypt to the time that God brings them to the promised land, so much happens. Um, God, he, he performs miracle after miracle, sign after sign to lead them out of Egypt and then to lead them through the wilderness to the promised land. And during this time, Israel goes through this vicious, vicious cycle, a cycle of believing in God and then drifting away from God. And then unbelief, then rebellion, and then God disciplines them, and then they repent, and they again. And, and Israel goes through this cycle several times. You're reading through it, and you're like, come on, get it together, Israel. And, and all during that time, God is gracious. He's merciful. He disciplines his children for sure, but he never abandons his people. He sticks with them and, and forgives them time and time again. I want you to imagine going on a long family road trip, but it's the worst road trip ever because your children are in the back seat causing a ruckus, right? They're, they're, they're saying like, uh, my brother won't stop bothering me. Um, I need to pee again, right? Are we there yet? Um, can, can we go back home? I'm bored. I'm, I'm hungry. When are we going to be there? Why did you bring us on this trip in the first place? And then you're yelling back at your kids, right? Make me come back there. I'll turn this car around. I will smite you if you do not leave your brother alone. Anybody else threaten to smite their kids? Um, it's a fun time. But, but multiply that agony of, of that, right, that trip by like a thousand. Um, and that's God's journey with his children, Israel, from Egypt to the promised land. It's awful. I, I mean, there, there are peaks and valleys. There are good times and bad times, but it's crazy. And there's one moment that was like the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. When God finally brings Israel to the border of the promised land, Moses, he, he recruits 12 men to go spy out the land to see if it was as awesome as God says it was. So, so these 12 spies, they go in and then they come back with a report. Um, turns out God wasn't kidding. This promised land is incredible. It really is flowing with milk and honey. The land is, is fertile, and they even bring back samples of grapes that are just huge. And, 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 but the people who inhabit the land, they're also huge. They're giant. 
The, the spies, they say that they felt like small, helpless grasshoppers compared to the giants who lived there. And, and cities are also fortified with these giant walls. Okay, now two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, are like, let's go. Let's take this city. Let's go get what's ours, right? We probably have a couple of like that in our lives who are always ready to do the crazy things. Um, that's Joshua and Caleb. But, but the other 10 spies are like, uh, no, we're not going in there. I don't think so, right? It, it, it's a bad idea to enter this land. There, there are giants. that The people there are taller than we are. That's their reasoning for why they don't go into the promised land, right? And so the, these 10 spies, they convince the rest of Israel to, to, to not go into the promised land as God told them to do. Well, this, you can imagine, infuriates God. Because after all that God has done for them, setting them free from Egypt, parting the Red Sea, destroying the Egyptian army at the Red Sea, right? Showing these incredible feats of power and strength. And then God caring for them, miraculously providing for them in the wilderness with food and water, right? dealing with their grumbling, their unbelief, their rebellion, and then offering grace and mercy and forgiveness after all of that, they decide not to go into the promised land because the people there are taller than them. Go read it. That's what it says. All right, so in Numbers chapter 14, God essentially says, I've had enough. If you don't want to go into the land I've promised, the, the place of rest that I have prepared for you, if you don't want to believe and obey, then you're done. And so God denies them entry into the promised land. We even see Israel, they, they realize that they're being stupid, they've made a mistake, and they try to take the land on their own, but God allows Israel's enemies to overpower them and overtake them. He says, you're not going in. Now, now God, he, he does forgive them. He pardons them, the word says. He doesn't take away the promised land from the nation of Israel, but he also promises that until every one of the people who didn't believe him and rebelled against him, until they've all died, Israel will not be able to enter the promised land. Only Caleb and Joshua, the two who did believe, will be able to enter. And so after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, right, that unbelieving, rebellious generation dies. And in the book of Joshua, we finally see Israel enter the promised land, the place of rest that God had prepared for them. Now, that, that's the story that, that's the story that we see um, summarized in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Uh, it's it's the, the story uh, and an example of, of what spiritual heart disease looks like and what spiritual hardening of the heart leads to. It prevents God's people from experiencing the rest that he's prepared for them. Do you see it? And, and there are some parallels to the Israelite story. To, to what the first century Jewish Christians um, that Hebrews is addressed to and what they're going through. First century Christians, they, they've been rescued. They've been set free from the bondages of Satan, sin, and death by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They've seen God provide for them in miraculous ways. They, they've seen the family of God grow and expand all over the known world. And because of Jesus, they now have a home a family that they can be a part of and experience true rest for their souls. But now, 
They're being faced with persecution. It's getting hard to be a follower of Jesus during this time. And they're tempted to go back to their old Jewish ways to escape the persecution. They want to practice the law and the Levitical sacrificial system again, which is ultimately a denial of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross for them. And so the author of Hebrews, he's saying, today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. You are at risk of spiritual heart disease if you go back to your old ways. If you stop trusting and believing in God to care for you, and if you harden your hearts, then you risk giving up the rest for your souls that he's prepared for you. And that today that we see in this passage it not just for the Hebrews who are reading it. That today is for us today too. Listen, church family, today, if you hear God's voice, and I believe God is speaking to you right now, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts to his voice. As a follower of Jesus, God is asking you to follow his way, believe in his truth, and experience his life for you. But for many followers of Jesus today, they're being tempted and overwhelmed by the world and its ways, its truths, its life. And we are all susceptible to the spiritual heart disease, just like Israel was in the first century church was. And unfortunately, you've probably seen some of your friends or, or family members succumb to the spiritual heart disease. It's devastating. Right? In one moment, it seemed that they were passionate about walking with Jesus being a member of God's family, pursuing God's calling for their lives. But then something shifted. The, the passion, it seemed to fade. They, they cared less about God's voice and more about the world's or other people's. And eventually, they, they stopped following Jesus altogether and started following their own ways, their own truths, living their lives however they want to. And what they once saw as sin, they, they now make reasons for it. They rationalize and give reasons for why they think it's okay. Their, their hearts grew hard. I, I think we've all seen it happen in people before, maybe people who are close to you. It was happening in the first century church. It was happening with Israel, and it's happening in the 21st century church today, though it seems even more so today. And so what the author of Hebrews says next and verses 12 through 19 is incredibly important for us today. All right, we cannot neglect his wisdom because what he shares in these next verses is how to prevent this heart disease, this hardening of the heart. All right, so I want you to lean in to these next few verses if you haven't entered in yet. All right, um, take notes if you're a note taker. This is a good note taking day. Um, but he, he, he gives us four preventative measures to make sure we keep our hearts healthy and soft. And the first preventative measures, measure he, he, he shares is found in verse 12. All right, so let's keep reading. It says, take care. Everybody say, take care. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. The first thing we need to notice is that he is talking to followers of Jesus. He's not talking to unbelieving people. He's talking to followers of Jesus and saying that they could walk away. All right, but, but the first preventative measure that we see here is to take care. Take care of your heart. And this is first an individual responsibility. 
Right? You, first and foremost, are responsible for the, the health of your spiritual heart, your relationship with God. Not your parents, right? Not your spouse, not, not your pastor, not your growth group leader, not your Chi Alpha leader, right? You are responsible for your heart. And the same is true when it comes to the health of your physical heart. Right? No one can blame someone else for their heart disease. Right? Most heart disease is caused by the neglect and unhealthy habits of the individual. Right? So, so how do you take care of your physical heart to prevent heart disease? We're having health class this morning, okay? Right? You, you make sure you're eating healthy, right? Consuming foods that aren't high in cholesterol, in fat, that leads to that plaque buildup that causes your arteries to, to literally harden. You have to make sure you exercise your heart through physical aerobic activity. You have to reduce the amount of stress you experience as much as possible because cortisol is a toxic chemical that's really bad for your heart, right? It's also good to see your doctor from time to time. Make sure that you get a checkup and make sure your heart's working properly. And they have things like ECGs and EKGs to make sure it's working properly. Right, to prevent heart disease, you have to take care of your heart. And to prevent spiritual heart disease, you have to do the same things essentially. Right, think about it. What are you consuming and allowing into your life? Holy things of heaven, which I would say are healthy, or unholy things of this world. How are you exercising your heart and growing your faith? Are you reading God's word, right? Worship, prayer, serving others, those all exercise your spiritual heart. It's also good to have heart checkups once in a while. What do I mean by that? What's well, important to sit down with a wise friend, a pastor, or even a counselor, uh, allowing them to ask you questions to make sure your heart is healthy and, and working properly. Um, but also you yourself not being afraid to confess areas of struggle and unbelief in your life. Think about it this way. If you go to your actual doctor and you don't tell them what's going on with you, that you aren't feeling well, your symptoms, right, that your heart is skipping a beat or beating too fast, then they can't help you get well. Right, what's even the point of going to the doctor if you're not going to be open with them? So when you sit down with someone to have that spiritual heart checkup, it's important to be honest and open. I'm struggling with unbelief in this area. I'm being tempted in this area. I think about it. When's the last time you had a spiritual heart checkup? Right, so the first preventative measure is to take care of your heart. Everybody say take care. All right, it's, it's your individual responsibility first and foremost. Uh, but then the author continues in verse 13. He says this, but exhort one another. Everybody say exhort one another. All right, every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The second preventative measure is to encourage one another. Right, not only is there an individual responsibility for your heart, Right? But there's also a communal responsibility. Right? As, as members of Jesus' household, we are responsible to look after one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the author of Hebrews tells us to exhort or encourage one another. And that word for exhort in Greek has the same root word used to describe the Holy Spirit. Right? Paraclete or parakletos, which means helper. 
And we are to, to come alongside our brothers and sisters to encourage and help them in their walks with Jesus. And because sometimes, you've probably noticed this, other people from the outside looking in, they can see things in your life that you are otherwise blind to yourself. Because like verse 13 says, sin is deceitful. We can't always see it for what it really is. Right? The, the ways of the world and of the enemy, Satan, are deceitful. They call things good that are actually evil. And let me just tell you, as hard as it's been in my life, I've been so thankful for the people who've called me out of, on my sin or when I was being stupid. And I've always regretted when I've not had the family of God around me to call me out. If, if I had been in community with believers when I first moved to Tucson, right? I, I wouldn't have moved in with that person, right? Somebody would have said, Are you, do you think it's a good idea to move in with that person? And I would have, wouldn't have done the things that I did, messed up the ways that I did. Or when I was a while ago struggling in my faith and I was losing my passion for ministry, I was so thankful for the brothers in Christ who called me out in a loving way and said, are you, are you reading God's word? How's your prayer life? What are you learning about God? What, what kind of things are you consuming, holy or unholy, heavenly or worldly? And their encouragement, their pointing me to Jesus helped me snap out of my funk. So, so we need to take care of our hearts at an individual level first and foremost, but we also need to surround ourselves with other believers and allow them to encourage us daily, right? To call us out and, and uh, point us back to Jesus when we might be making a, a dumb decision. And we need to do our part to encourage others around us, right? Then in verses 14 through 15, it says this, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. It sounds a little bit like what we talked about last week, verse 15. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And so these two verses right here are just reminders of things that we've already talked about um, in previous messages and in previous passages. Um, but that word for confidence there, if you noticed it, it in Greek, it's hypostasis hypostasis, like super remain, right? And what it means is, is to, uh, to plan or to devise a plan for action. And so the, the third um, preventative measure is to make a heart plan and then stick to it every single day. That's your confidence. Right, don't waver. Keep to the plan to the very end, he's saying. Or in a previous message, we talked about consistency in the small things, Right, also a great preventative measure for keeping your heart healthy. All right, and then um, we end chapter 3 with verses 16 through 19. So let's read those. They say, For who are those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he, God, provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? but to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And we're going to talk more about unbelief and disobedience um, in two weeks. Right? But it seems like, like these verses here, they're just a repeat of the story of Israel that we already talked about, but it's also the final preventative measure for us to consider. And it's this. There's no immunity to spiritual heart disease. 
There's no immunity to spiritual heart disease. It's a warning to never assume that it will never happen to you. Because when we look at Israel and all that they experienced with God, the miracles, the signs, the the wonders, the the fulfilled promises, we're like, come on, Israel. You you saw God do all these amazing things, and yet you still rebelled. It's easy for us to do that. It's easy for us to look at them and say, if I experienced what they did, I would never have hardened my heart. I, I never would have turned away from God if I saw what Israel saw. Right, kind of like young people who see people older than them struggling with their health. And these youngins are like, oh, that'll never happen to me. I'm healthy. I'm young. I'm fit. As they drink their Red Bulls and their Double Doubles animal style, you wait. It's going to happen to you, okay? It's going to happen. Right, but, but how often do we struggle with belief? How often do we struggle with obedience? Right, we who haven't experienced even a fraction of what Israel experienced with God. And some of the things that God asked Israel to do and to trust him with required incredible faith. Right, for most of us, God simply wants us to read our Bibles and talk to him every day. And how often do we struggle with that every single day? So it is foolish, my friends, to think, Oh, my heart, it'll never grow hard. I'll never fall away like that person did. I'll never sin the way that person did because the truth is spiritual heart disease, it could happen to you, it could happen to any of us. Right? A healthy fear of spiritual heart disease and, and some humility, it goes a long way in preventing it in your own lives. But like we've seen today, it doesn't have to get to that. It doesn't have to get to that. Spiritual heart disease is preventable, church family. I would say it's even curable. And God gives us these preventative measures to help us recognize when our our hearts might be getting hard, and he gives us those steps to to get back to health. Take personal, individual responsibility to care for your heart. Watch what you consume. Exercise your heart. Make sure that you get those checkups with the wise friend, pastor, counselor, and be honest and open with your concerns or your areas of unbelief. And then surround yourself with the household, the family of God. Jesus built the house for you. So be a part of it. Join in the family. It's for your health. And allow the family of God to encourage you. And then you do your part to encourage those around you. Allow people who love you to hold you accountable and call you out when it's necessary. And then stick with your heart plan. Stick with it. Stay consistent in the small things to the very end. And then fourth, don't assume it'll never happen to you. Have a healthy fear and a humility to know that no one is immune to the spiritual heart disease. And so what I, what I love about verse 7 is the imperative and the urgency of that word today. Today, if you hear his voice. But it's not just an imperative, it's also an invitation for us this morning. If you find that you are struggling with belief, if you find that your heart is not as soft as you know it should be, the Holy Spirit's invitation this morning is to turn back to Jesus today. Right right now is that moment. It's not too late. 
And some of you, you are hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit loud and clear in your lives. And what I want to do right now is if we can just enter into a time of reflection. And I would encourage you to, to do that however you, you feel comfortable doing it. Maybe you close your eyes and bow your heads. This is a safe place. Nobody's going to steal your stuff, so you can close your eyes. But enter into a moment of reflection. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking. He is ministering to you in this moment. That's his job. That's what he does. And so some of you are hearing his voice loud and clear. And what you realize is that your soul is not at rest. It's not at peace. But you long for it. And that longing that you have in your heart, that, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And you know it's time to make some changes in your life. Like today, because you long for that rest. It's time to, to take some steps towards spiritual health. You realize you've gotten a little sloppy in some of your, your habits, your, uh, the things that you consume in your life. So it's time to take those steps towards spiritual health. And I would encourage you, as I know the Holy Spirit is encouraging you right now, take those steps towards health today. Don't wait. Don't wait. So what does your healthy heart plan look like for you? What are those steps that you need to take? And if you need help figuring that out, come and talk to me. Come and talk to Pastor Annette. We'd love to help you with that. But listen, as long as today is still today, God hasn't left you. He's not moved on from you. He still desires for you to enter into the rest that he has for you if you are willing to believe him and obey him. And then rest is yours. So I know that we don't have any music going on right now, but I'd love to just, if we can just stay in this space just a little bit longer and allow the Holy Spirit to continue speaking to you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are speaking, that you are moving, that you are never silent. You're always leading us and pointing us to Jesus. Lord, for those who, who are struggling to hear your voice, I understand I've been there before. I think it happens to all of us. But God, we thank you that your invitation is there today. Today, we can turn back to you 
today we can repent of our sin. We can stop following the world's ways or our own ways, and we can follow your ways once again. And so, God, I pray that you'd give courage and boldness in this place to those who, who need it to repent and turn back to you. God, I pray against the spirit of condemnation. I pray against shame and guilt because those are not from you, God. And Lord, I pray that you just revive in us a desire to, to be a part of your household again and to enter into your rest. Would you help us to take those steps to enter into your rest this morning? We thank you, Jesus. We say these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you. Thank you.